In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the third Sunday uh, of the Pentecost period after the resurrection, and we read again the story of the Samaritan woman, the same story that we read during the Great Fast. And we might wonder why is it that we are reading it again, and the Church has arranged the readings such that during the time of the Holy 50 Days, we are remembering uh, many of the events that happen um, and many of the things that the Lord Christ said to us um, before the crucifixion. And that now having understood the resurrection and understanding the mission of Christ, that we look back at the same events again with a different perspective. That even when the apostles were hearing all of these things and experiencing all these things with Christ the first time, they didn't quite understand or understand what was the purpose or what was the meaning of a lot of the things that the Lord Christ said or did. And yet now, having a different perspective, understanding the resurrection, understanding that the Lord rose from the dead, understanding what is this process of salvation that God has offered to us, that we look back at those same events and now we see them in a different um, way. When he's speaking with a Samaritan woman, he spoke to her about how he is the fountain of the living water. And certainly at the time, the woman did not understand what he meant. He thought, she thought that he meant that he, that he had like an infinite supply of water and so that when she would receive this water from him, she wouldn't have to go to the well anymore and to draw water for herself. But now it can be fully understood. Also in this conversation uh, with the woman, he said to her, you worship what you do not know, we know what we worship. And certainly we can ask ourselves this question, do we know what we worship? Do we know why we are here? Do we know what we are doing? And maybe in some sense we can say the answer is yes, we have a basic understanding of what we are doing. But maybe on a daily basis, on, in our regular daily life, we forget this. We forget that we are created for something greater than this world. We forget that we are made in the image of God. We forget that God is with us all the time and that we should keep our eyes always fixed on eternity and rather than this life. Maybe because of all of the distractions and the busyness that we have in this life, we, we forget that. And when we forget that, we tend to fall into maybe a kind of a despair. When we feel like this world is all that there is, and that there is nothing else beyond here, and that we are so immersed in our lives and in on the details. So we have to remember these words of Christ when he says to the woman, you worship what you do not know, but we know what we worship. So let's um, review some of the important things that we know about the Lord. What are some important things that we should keep in mind? The first is, where did we come from? We are blessed to understand our origin, right? We are blessed to understand where we came from. This defines for us um, a lot of what our worldview should be and how is it that we should live. We were created by God through his love for the purpose of communion with him. This is a very simple concept, that simply God wanted to create us out of love. The same way as parents want to have children and to show them love and to give them everything that they need, the desire to have someone to, to show love to, to, to give love to, this is, the, this is the same love that God has for us, which prompted him to create us. He does not need us. There is nothing that we offer to him that he is lacking, but simply out of his love, he wanted to create us. We read in Genesis 2 verse 7, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. So when we ask where is it that we came from, we came from nothing. We came from the dust of the ground that God had created before us, and God breathed life into us. So why is it that we are able to think? Why are we able to move? Why are we able to, to go about our day? It is simply because of the breath of life that God has breathed into us. So 
this is our origin and we were never intended to be separated from him our our functioning as human beings is intertwined with god there is no way for a human being to function well without god right it is it is like when you say a car has to have oil in order for it to function you cannot have one without the other this is why many of us and many in the world who have tried to live life apart from God find that it is filled with nothing but sadness and despair and emptiness because we cannot exist without God. And I don't mean that in a, in a distant sense, like yes, God exists somewhere out there. We, we cannot exist without God in us. We cannot exist without God's presence in us all the time. So we remember where we came from, that God designed us, that God made us from the dust of the earth. The second thing to always remember when we speak about knowing what we worship is we understand why we are here now. Why is the state of affairs the way that it is now? Because all of us being born into this world could easily conclude that this is the world that has always been. But this is not the world that has always been, nor is this the world that God created in its current state. It became this way because of our rebellion. It became this way because we rebelled against God that even though he offered all things to us, we did not accept it from him. We thought that there was something better. We thought that there was something better beyond what God offered us. And so we sought after this thing more than we sought after God. And this was the beginning of the separation between us and God. And certainly we can see this principle working in our lives even today that even as we know what God is seeking from us, what God is asking us to do, how easy is it for us to seek after other things, thinking that those things will fulfill us more than God. We read about the fall uh, in Genesis chapter 3, and here when Adam is speaking to God, he said, what, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. That from the very beginning after the fall, we became afraid of God. We run from God. We do not have communion with God, but we are separated from him. And so this explains the state that we are in. Because of the rebellion that we rebelled against God, all things became corrupted. We became corrupted. The world became corrupted. And here we are now living in this life. The third important thing to remember is how is it that God saves us from this corruption? How is it that God is saving us from here? That God was not satisfied to simply leave us here in this state? That this was not the end of the story, nor could God tolerate things the way that they were? But even from the beginning, he had this plan of salvation in order to restore us again to our rightful place to him. We didn't understand the depth of his love, and we certainly didn't understand the magnitude of his plan until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, until seeing him in the flesh, until seeing the sacrifice that he made on our behalf, and that the process of salvation was working even from the beginning, from the moment of in the, in the garden up until uh, the time of the resurrection. When the Lord was uh, speaking in prophecy to Hosea the prophet, he says um, in Hosea chapter 2, he says, I will betroth you to me forever. Yes, I will betroth you to me in righteousness and justice and loving kindness and mercy. This betrothal, this relationship that we have with God is an eternal one. Even from the time of the garden and the fall, even from Adam and Eve disobeying and rebelling against God, and yet the relationship with God was still present. God wanted uh, humanity and God wanted each of us, and so he continued to seek us until he was able to bring us again. So his incarnation to live among us was in order for us to see his love firsthand for us to see him, for us to touch him, for us to understand the magnitude and depth of his love and to bring us back again and to bring us the Holy Spirit to have a taste of what this life was that he's offering us. 
When we live with the Holy Spirit in us, it is like a taste of heaven. It is like a small glimpse of what is it that God is promising us in heaven that to be fully and completely filled with the Holy Spirit, to be fully and completely in the presence of God. And yet now here, he gives us like an appetizer. He gives us something to, 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 to taste a little bit of what heaven is like so that we will seek it more and more and more. The fourth thing that we should keep in mind when we say that we know what it is who we worship is what lies in wait for us in the future. Right. In order for us to have hope in the future, in order for us to not be consumed with the darkness and vanity of this world, is we keep our eyes always fixed upon the future. What is it that God has promised? He says in John 14, verse 3, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. This place that God has prepared for us is very, very different from the place that we are now. It is a place that we speak about where the grief, sorrow, and groaning have fled away, where there is no suffering and there is no pain. And it is so different that, that to the point where we cannot even comprehend, we cannot even understand the, the magnitude of the goodness of heaven where we will live and dwell with God. So even our wildest imaginations cannot begin to tell us what is it that it would be like there. And so we wait. We wait for this time where this promise would be fulfilled and that we would obtain and live in this place that God has prepared for us. Again, this is all intertwined with what is it that we worship? Who is it that we worship? We worship a God who does not want us to live in suffering, who doesn't want us to live in a corrupted place and does not want us to be corrupt, but he prepares a place for us and he promises that we will receive it in due time if we live according to his ways and we wait for him and we accept him as Lord and Savior. The final point is, how does God want us to deal with him? How is it that he wants us to have a relationship with him? What does it even mean to have a relationship with God? So number one, he wants us to realize that we are limited, right? We are limited. We should live humbly in realizing our limitation. Realizing when we realize that we are made of dust, when we realize that we have little understanding or comprehension of ourselves or the world or the coming world, that we have very little. We have very little. How is it that I can fully understand all these things apart from what is it that God has said to me? Apart from what it is that God has revealed to me? He wants us to trust him. He wants us to defer to him. He wants us to read his word, to believe it, to live by it, and to seek him out above all things. Whenever we find ourselves in a situation in this life that we cannot, um, we cannot understand, or we, do not, uh, we don't see a way to navigate out of it, this is where we turn to God and we say to God, God help me because I cannot do it, right? He wants us to have this spirit of humility in everything. In Psalm 18 verse 30, the psalmist says, As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in him. And we pray and ask that God would allow us to live according to this verse, that we would see that his way is perfect, not our way. Our way is often the way that we seek. All Our way is often the way that we want to follow, thinking that our way is perfect. Here the psalmist says God's way is perfect, not, not our way. The word of the Lord is proven. We have experience with the word of the Lord. God has, has, has created the world and sustained it and, and provided for it since the beginning, and he is a shield to all of us. So again, when we ask, how is it that we worship the Lord? Do we know who we worship? Do we know where we came from? Do we know why we are here? Do we know how God is saving us from this place? Do we know how to deal with God? Do we know how to worship the Lord? Do we know how to submit to him? Do we know how to be humble in his presence and to defer to him and to trust him? 
All these things are very important. And if we live according to these principles, then we can find peace. And we can find joy even in this life because we realize that this life is not everything. This life is, is not all things. This life is temporary and we are living for the next life. Actually, in the Harvest Meeting today, we're going to start a series uh, about a book called The Orthodox Afterlife, which is a, a very wonderful book. And when we read it, it reminds us of what it is that we have to hope for. What is it that we have to, to wait for and the experiences of those who have actually seen such a place and came back to tell us what it is it that they have seen. So unless we keep all of these things in mind, we can easily lose track of what we are doing. We can lose track and begin to live our life for the earthly things, for the earthly gains that are temporary, that are fleeting, that maybe we have them one day and are gone the next day. And we can become very distracted and disconnected from the true reality, which is the reality of eternity. We can doubt, we can go astray, we need to always read the Word of God, always praying, always coming to church, remembering, reminding us all the time of this life that is invisible to our senses, and yet we believe it by faith. We were created for more than this world, and we remind ourselves always that God has a place for us, and that it's through Him and His Holy Spirit that we are able to make sense of everything around us, that we know who we, who we worship, and glory be to God forever. Amen.